Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of the Open to Wonder podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Karen. When you think about faith practices, activities like praying, worship, and reading the Bible might come to mind. But did you know that listening, celebrating, and wonder are also faith practices and that there are dozens more? When repeated regularly, faith practices help us grow in our love for God and our neighbors. They help us become more like Jesus, and they even help us become more attentive to the Holy Spirit. And faith practices, they're for ordinary people of all ages, no matter where they are on their faith journey. We're so excited to share with you the conversations we've had with this season's guests. You'll hear stories of their faith practices and struggles, along with their ideas for a small step you can take to weave faith practices into your daily life. So pull up a seat and wonder with us. Open to Wonder, the Faith Practices Edition starts now. It's not every day that you get to interview the global convener of the Order of the Mustard Seed from her home near the ruins of a 12th century monastery on the Waverly Abbey Estate in the United Kingdom. But that's exactly what happened for Chris and I when we sat down with Jill Weber. Jill serves on the international leadership team of 24-7 Prayer, and she's the director of spiritual formation at Emmaus Road Church. She's the author of Even the Sparrow, A Pilgrim's Guide to Prayer, Trust, and Following the Leader. And if you listen to the Lectio 365 daily devotional app, you may already be familiar with her voice. During our wonderful conversation with Jill, you'll get the lowdown on the order of the mustard seed, and you'll find out why she's living at Waverly Abbey. You'll also learn how hosting Spaghetti Tuesdays gave her a glimpse of God's kingdom. Discover the simple steps you can take to be more intentional about practicing your faith and hear her oh-so-encouraging answer to my oh-so-hard-to-ask-in-church question, does prayer really even work? All that and so much more during our conversation with Jill Weber. Jill, it's so good to see you again. Uh, I've been looking forward to our conversation today, uh, actually, for a while. Even while we were planning season one, I was like, oh, we've got to get Jill Weber sometime. Um, <laughs> and, and as I've been thinking about today and planning for our conversation, I remembered a few years ago when we were both living in Hamilton, Ontario, um, you and I sat down at a Tim's Hort. Tim Hortons, and we were discerning both in seasons where we were discerning ways that God was calling us in what felt like new directions. And now um, here we are, uh, both of us living in different countries uh, than we were at that time, and both of us serving in different roles. Uh, you are living in the UK uh, at an ancient place called Waverly uh, Abbey. And you're also serving as the global convener for the order of the mustard seed. We'll get to the mustard seed in a moment. Um, Karen wants to ask a question about that one. Um, but I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about the Abbey and um, what it is you are doing there. Yeah, sure. Happy to say that. So we, my husband and I live on 
the Waverly Abbey Estate, which is uh, where the ruins of a 12th century monastery are. So uh, it was the Cistercians came in 1128 here to the Abbey. And uh, before that, actually, the land was given around the time of 600 AD uh, for a Celtic monastic site. So there's literally been about a thousand years of prayer on the site here at Waverly Abbey. And so mm. this is becoming the home of 24-7 prayer, which is an international global prayer movement. We've been looking for a home for the movement. And, and it looks like we're nearly there. It looks like God is going to give us this place uh, for our home. We're in conversation right now, final phases of conversation with the owners of the site. And um, yeah, my husband and I have been living here for two years and we've been building the seed community, which is a local expression of our global 24-7 prayer movement. So we we cultivate places of prayer. We work with churches in our area. Uh, Chris, you'll be happy to hear we had the churches of our town together on our lawn this last Sunday. Oh. So there are just about 400 of us on the lawn praying together wow. uh, towards doing mission in, in Farnham together coming up this fall. And so that was really exciting. So we, we just help people pray. We help churches pray more. We help churches pray together. Uh, and we do it here. This is just going to be a bit of an experimental place, a house of prayer where individuals from churches in our area can gather together and explore and experiment in prayer, mission, justice, hospitality, uh, and uh, creativity and learning. Mm, sounds wonderful. Yeah. What a beautiful picture. Chris mentioned a moment ago, the order of the mustard seed. And um, as we prepared to chat with you, Jill, Chris and I explored um, the website and we're going to link to that in our show notes or our listeners can check it out too. One thing that really struck us was the simplicity of the words on the homepage, be true, be kind, go. In fact, I said to Chris, I need a t-shirt that says that. We're definitely going to get some merch. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so can you say more about that and more about, you know, the order of the mustard seed and how that community is learning to follow Jesus together? Yeah, happy to do that. Um, the order, the, the very first order of the mustard seed started in 1716. Uh, it was led by a young German nobleman who actually it was a student movement at the time. He was entering into his equivalent of college, saw a lot of people just kind of falling off the rails in their Christian faith. And so he gathered friends around them. They created something called the order of the mustard seed. And they made these commitments to be true to Christ, kind to people, and take the gospel to the nations. Be true, be kind, go. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hundreds of years later, the 24-7 prayer movement had been really fueled by the story of this young uh, nobleman and the, the communities of prayer and mission that he created over his lifetime. And we just thought, well, what would it look like for us as a global movement of prayer, mission and justice to invite not all, but some people in the movement into a lifestyle of just real focused intention around these three commitments, promises, and uh, and so 2005, they they thought, well, we'll just do it as an experiment. So about 50 of them took vows in the order of the mustard seed. So a lay ecumenical religious order, all that means is lay people. It's for everybody. Okay. It's not for religious professionals. It's for everybody. Ecumenical meaning if you can sign up to the Nicene Creed <laughs> and, and sort of the central tenets of Christianity, you're in. And religious order just means that we are ordering our lives around certain commitments and some shared practices together as a community and, and kind of cheering one another along that way. Is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Could, could you say a little bit more, Jill, about 
um, the types of shared practices uh, that go into that order of mustard seed? Yeah, the six practices that we um, that are kind of are the heart of it and help shape our lives together are prayer. You know, for us, 24-7 prayer is a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, creativity. And so what does it look like for us to be creative? So I'm not just talking about art. I'm talking about entrepreneurialism. I'm talking about good organizing skills, you know, any, any type of creativity, uh, hospitality and um, justice, mission and learning or, or evangelism. And so those are kind of the six things that shape our lives. And if you're familiar at all with the Lectio 365 daily devotional app that I'm going to let you in on a secret. That's the prayer book of the order of the mustard seed. And so, so that we've 24 seven has created that app specifically built around those three commitments and those six practices. So we just sort of sneakily invited the whole world to pray along with us along those lines and inviting God to shape our lives together in those ways. Well, I sneakily joined you this morning as I did. And you actually uh, today were the one who was, was talking. I was like, oh, I get to hear Jill's voice a couple times today. So, uh, it is a gift you are actually giving. Um, I know you're inviting people in, but it is it is a gift. And I think a lot of people um, that emphasis on prayer um, this is a guided, simple way for people to enter into, into prayer and to learn the rhythms of prayer. Uh, um, I, I really love how you engage scripture, both in rejoicing and in reflecting uh, uh, through that practice. Yeah, we love it. I write mine here at Waverly Abbey and record them here. So it's just coming out of the heart of what we do as a, as a gathered community. And um I think for me, it's, I've always been particular, you know, even before the order of the mustard seed, and I've been sort of a prayer missionary of sorts for kind of 22 years now. And, and for us praying the Bible has been a way to keep our hearts alive in prayer and to keep us from going off in kind of weird directions, right. To just to learn how God reveals his heart to us and the things that he would like to for us to say yes to with him in prayer. And so the Bible has been an essential guide for us through decades. You know, this season for us, um, and really more broadly for our ministry, we've been talking over the last couple of years about faith practices. And we talk about faith practices as being regular, repeatable actions um, that really do three things. One, they help us to, to grow in our attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. Um, they help us grow in the, the character and way of Jesus Christ. And then they deepen our love for God and for others. So that's kind of how we've been describing faith practices. And wondering if you, obviously prayer is one, but if you could share one or two um, practices that you personally have found in your own faith journey, um, something that's been meaningful as a way of shaping you and in, into those three things. I think for me, if I was to look at, you know, people kind of look at me and go, oh, I guess prayer is your thing. And I go, no, actually, if I was to look at one spiritual practice that that kind of was a container practice that held my life, uh, it would be hospitality. Mm -hmm. And um, and so for hospitality, for me, I'm being hospitable to the Holy Spirit, hospitable to the presence of God as I open myself to him and help other people to make space for him in their homes and their lives. We've hospitality back when we lived in Hamilton, 
Chris, I mean, you remember we used to do, we lived in a community house. So my husband and I went on the experiment of what does it look like for us to share our home with others? And so over the course of about eight years, we had 17 or 18 people live with us at various times. So that is an exercise in hospitality and life on life discipleship, which was challenging, but so rewarding. And, uh, and one of the things we did for hospitality is we had something called Spaghetti Tuesday. And we every Tuesday night at our house for eight years, we served spaghetti. And the same recipe, the same spaghetti. And we invited friends and, nature, na- friends and neighbors and strangers into our home. Every night we'd have anywhere from five to 35 people in our house. And some people who maybe would come to a soup kitchen, it's like, well, no, actually it's a bit different when we're sitting around a family table together. And so that was our practice of hospitality and that iteration of, of life and ministry. Complex, messy, risky, beautiful. Those times around the table where it was really fun because a lot of students from Redeemer University would Mm -hmm. come to and sit around the table with prostitutes and addicts in recovery. And they were like so clean cut and then sitting with some of our friends in our neighborhood. I just kind of looked over and went, you know what? This is what the kingdom of God looks like. I loved it. I love those times at the table. Sweetest memories. And so just love that. And, And just even the hospitality around whoever walks through my door into my day today, you know, the, is that person a threat or a gift? It's like, well, no, obviously they're as much as our culture would say that person is a threat for whatever reason. However, we kind of other, other people, (laughs) it's like, no, this person has come into my space. They are a gift to me that God has brought. And maybe it's just the gift that teaches me patience, (laughs) Mm. but a gift nevertheless. And so we get that opportunity then of like, okay, the presence of Jesus is in the midst of this human interaction. He is here now. And if I can be open to him in that, then anything can happen. And so hospitality has been a really foundational practice for me that has shaped my whole life and ministry. So, mm-hmm. so that's a big one, I think. Yeah. Um, and then learning, I think for me as well, I've just, interesting it's you know i kind of look back at my life and i go how am i doing what i'm doing i am i'm not formally educated <laughs> you know i tried to go to university when i was younger but life circumstances didn't permit and so i've just had to feed myself my whole way through and somehow i found myself in in roles and responsibilities i'm completely unqualified for educationally <laughs> my whole life my life has been too big for me but for me, it's just been a commitment of, you know, I, I just need to be constantly learning. And whether that's from a book or in a relationship or in a life circumstance, it's just like, no, God is always shaping and forming me. Mm-hmm. He's always at work in me, drawing me to himself and giving me an opportunity to become more like Christ in those areas where I'm not yet like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the learning is going to happen till heaven, right? Yep. If, you know, if, oh. if those are the learning objectives. Jill, so I have some questions for you about prayer, because of course we have you here. So we're going to ask you some prayer questions, but I just, I just want to just reach back a minute and just thank you for what you just said, your description of those spaghetti dinner um, that you said it was, it was messy, but it was still beautiful. And I think sometimes, you know, we have this vision in our head of, oh, well, it should be this way. It should be this this perfect little thing and then it's not, or it's, you know, it's, it's just going to be so messy that there won't be any beauty in it. And thank, so thank you for just painting such a beautiful real picture. And 
and you wouldn't know this, but the other people we've talked to um, during this series, they, they've all mentioned something that you just kind of linked to this idea of holy interruptions, um, this idea of saying yes to God when God puts a person in your path. Um, so thank you for just mentioning that because that, that was just, that was beautiful. Um, but I'm going to ask you some prayer questions right now <laughs> because, you know, no matter where people are in their faith journey, they, and I, um, if I'm honest, have so many questions about prayer. And so I'm going to ask you three of them. Um, one is, so if just, if someone said to you, well, Jill, what is prayer? What would you say? Mm-hmm. Prayer is communion and conversation with a God who is nearer to me than I could ever imagine and who loves me more than I could ever dream or hope for. Mm. Wow. You mentioned conversation. Um, and that brings me to my next question. I was, so you have a book, even the sparrow that I've been paging through and we'll link to that as well. Um, but one of the journal prompts that you suggest invites people to reflect on how God might be initiating contact and conversation with you. And that just kind of stopped me in my tracks because I thought, you know, we so often, Again, maybe it's just me. Think of prayer as well. You know, I should bring that to God in prayer. I should go to God in prayer. And that that just flips something for me. This sense of it's not always about me coming to God. Um, It's not just me initiating a conversation with God. God is maybe wants to initiate contact with me, which is a new thought to me. So I'm wondering if you can say more about prayer as a way of responding to and engaging with God, this God initiation. Yeah, I think, I think first of all, if you think about it theologically, I mean, we love because God first loved us. Yeah. Right. Love came first from God to us, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there's images of the shepherd leaving the 99, going after the one. This is a God who pursues. That's why he incarnated himself in the son to come into us, to reach into our lives and to communicate himself to us. And so theologically, God is the initiator, right? right? And so if we understand that, you know, then it stands to reason that if he was then, that he still is, <laughs> he still is who he is. And so for, for me, it's the, the, the the task and the joy has been trying to notice God's initiative in my life into mm-hmm. conversation, and so how to and and becoming attentive to the presence and to the activity of God in my life. How might He want to speak to me? And so prayer, you know, then becomes not just talking, but prayer becomes noticing and mm-hmm. listening and just even wonder, just wonder these moments I live. You guys, Surrey, England is is uh, extravagantly beautiful. <laughs> mm. I'm used to the streets of Hamilton, and I could measure my street in Hamilton by how many squad cars lined up down the street. That's how I knew. And there's no like, there's no, yeah. It's 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 here. I'm surrounded by green, verdant green hills and <laughs> swans and cows and no sirens and and um. And, you know, there's these moments of wonder about five o'clock at night, looking out through my window at these ruins of this beautiful abbey and the sun just hitting it the way it does at 5 p.m. And, and he just, just catches you, you know, and God is speaking. God yeah. is speaking. And so, 
you know, do we have ears? Jesus, if you've got ears to hear, you know, he has ears to hear. God is is wanting to initiate that conversation through creation, through scripture, through conversations with others, you know, and, and so oftentimes, you know, I, I think when having conversations with friends, in one sense, you think, well, I'm just having a conversation with a friend, but there are there moments in the conversation when our hearts begin to burn within us, like those on the road to Emmaus going, right. there's something going on in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I realized it's actually a three-way conversation. God is engaged in our conversation, speaking mm-hmm. to us in that place. And so that, that also is prayer. Wow. Does that, does any of that make sense? Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I think we don't often talk about it like that. We don't often teach it that way. Um, this sense that, yeah, that, that God wants to talk to me. Um, it's not about me unloading on God. I mean, that's allowed. <laughs> that's encouraged too. But this sense that God, you know, yeah, I, I find that really comforting and, and hugely helpful. Um, I think the scriptures are so clear. I mean, he loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus says that no one comes to me unless the father draws them. Like there's this drawing, there's this yearning in the heart of God to, you know, to commune with us. And, you know, in a sense, it says in, in Genesis, you know, God saw man, it wasn't good for man to be alone. I actually think even if you go a little further back, God was God and God decided it was not good for God to be alone, even amongst the the fellowship of the Trinity. He's like, no, I need someone to be with to pour my love into and so he created men and women and so that's that's the kind of uh tender affectionate relationship mm-hmm. we're being invited into at least that's that's yeah. how i read the scripture yeah. Yeah. so here's my third question and this is this is kind of um yeah, that this is Chris and I talk about asking hard to talk about a church question. So this is the hard to ask in church question. But I think a lot of people ask it. And you've kind of described the point of prayer differently in ways than we've learned about it, I think. So maybe you've kind of answered this. But people will say, I will say, well, does prayer even work? You know, uh, like, does it even, I mean, why bother? Does it work? And so I'm wondering, how do you respond to a question like that? That's such a funny question. I get asked that question a lot. And I think, well, that, that, how we frame that question says some interesting things about ourselves. Because I will turn back to the person and say, so does conversation with your husband work? Mm. Right. And they're like, oh, oh, (laughs) wait a second. So prayer is not a machine. Right where I punch the right numbers or, and it's not magic where you've got this magic incantation. That's going to give you what you want. That's not, so it's not a machine. It's not magic, right? Prayer is communion and conversation with somebody who wants to be with you and somebody who wants to love you. So does that work? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it, it Uh so I tell people the only wrong way to pray is not pray. Yeah. You're totally reframing the conversation yeah. of what people um, ordinarily think of prayer um, and and whether it's in response to a tragedy in the world or it's in response to something personal that they want. Um, prayer is often us giving uh, a, a list to God or a set of requests to God. And the way you're framing it is. Oh, it's it's relationship and conversation. It's being present with, and that um, 
that opens up the possibility of prayer simply being silent, not as in I'm praying in my head, but just I'm sitting with God. I'm just sitting in God's presence and we're sitting together. And that's that's a different uh, understanding, I think a more robust understanding of what prayer is. And as you're pointing to, um, much more in line with the communion, affectionate language that God puts in scripture mm-hmm. about God's desire for us. Yeah. And I think scripture is clear too, that God doesn't, you know, it says ask, right. Mm-hmm. right. You know, and, um, and so I do ask my husband for things and, and that's a normal part of our relationship. We let each other know where we're at. We let each other know what we need. And so mm-hmm. that's the reciprocity in that relationship. And so, so there's room for asking. He, he tells us to ask. Right. And he tells us that he is a generous father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Right. And I, I love, I come back to this one again and again, do not be afraid little flock. It's your father's good pleasure mm. to give you the kingdom. Yeah. He doesn't give it because he has to gives him pleasure. He loves to, he mm-hmm. loves to, to invite us into this kingdom, the place of his rule and reign where there is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy spirit. Well, even, even the way you just phrased it there. And I, I think it was in the um, Lectio three, six, five today, the language of um, little flock. Uh, it, it's an affectionate term it is. Uh, and it, and it, I, I think the way you're describing prayer actually challenges not just our understanding of prayer, but our image of God. Yes. Um, do we see God as uh, someone holding things back from us, or do we see God with an open hand toward us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that changes everything. I would argue that scripture is very clear that God is generous and holds an open hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Jill, one, one last question um, that we're going to ask today and, uh, kind of see where you go with this one on, on this season of open the wonder, as we've said, we've been focusing on faith practices. Um, but we recognize that a lot of people are like, I don't even know where to start. Um, if I'm going to enter into faith practices, what do I begin with? So I'm wondering if, if you could offer one suggestion to our community of listeners about how they could take a simple step into more intentionally practicing their faith. What would you recommend? Yeah, I have this conversation lots with people as we think about how to shape more spiritual practices into their lives. I actually tell people the first thing you need to do is take an inventory. Because I think we think, oh, we've just got to pile stuff on and do more and more. And you've got this, or you've got this little aspirational, idealistic view of what you think it should look Mm -hmm. like. And I just say, take stock. What's already in place in your life? And I think if if people honestly do that and really look at what's going on in their life, that they will notice that they're probably talking to God more than they think they are. Mm. They are probably have more faithfulness sort of uh, massaged into their life than they think they do. And so I just say, take an inventory first. And then number two, uh, I'm going to tell you three things. Sorry. Number one, take an inventory. (laughs) Number two, subtract. What are the things in your life that are, are robbing you and stealing you of time? Uh, what are the, the time wasters? What are the automatic pilot type stuff that, that doesn't, doesn't help you live with focused intention? Mm-hmm. And then number three, what's the invitation of the Holy Spirit? What's he inviting you into? And those will be things that you notice. There'll be little nudges, something that you read that sparks your heart, something that you see somebody else doing and going, oh, that thing. And to pick one small thing. 
whatever it is that that just is stirring within you. And I would say often that stirring is an invitation from God to step into a grace that he wants to give you. Uh, And so to just go on that experiment, whatever that might be. Is that helpful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've just written down. So add, subtract, enter. Uh, No, no. um, Number one, inventory. Inventory. Notice what you're already doing. Notice. I do this with churches all the time. They're like, oh, we want it. We need to pray more as a church. I said, great. Tell me what you do. Oh, well, we only do this. And then we only do that. And then we only do that. Well, I, I think we kind of do that too. And maybe that. And I'm like, you guys, you're already praying so, but you don't notice, right? right. What you're doing. Yes. And so, yes. so inventory, then subtract, uh-huh. and then respond to God's invitation. Beautiful. Something that He's inviting you to add. Mm-hmm. Wow. Super helpful. This has been such a gift today, Jill, uh, just to be able to, to hear your heart coming through, to hear your wisdom uh, about scripture and, uh, and, and prayer, but even more, more broadly than it, about being the people of God together. Uh, how, what does it mean to live in community and be uh, attentive to God's work in those um, still small voice nudges that the Spirit gives along the way? Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us, for sharing your heart with us today. No, thanks for the opportunity. It's good to be with you. Thanks, Jill. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in exploring how your faith can grow through faith practices, be sure to take a look at our new user-friendly book with a super, super long title, Faith Practices. Holy Habits That Help Us Love God and Our Neighbor, Listen to the Spirit, and Become More Like Jesus. It's published by faithaliveresources.org, and it's a fabulous resource for individuals and small groups, no matter where you are on your faith journey. Stay connected with us on Facebook and Instagram at CRC Faith Formation, on Twitter at CRC underscore FFM, or send us an email at faithformation at crcna.org. You'll find links to all of the above and so much more in our show notes. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode of the Open to Wonder podcast, please leave us a positive review. Until next time, keep practicing. Keep practicing.